Um, we have to start here, and you got to do the biggest stories, and we got to talk about something that everyone's talking about, and everyone's sharing the story, and this won't be an easy story to talk about. I'm telling you right now, um, I'll keep it together, but the onus is on you to keep it together as well. It's from the Globe and Mail, Dakshana Bhaskar murder story, and it's about a Brampton family, a family of four, and dad's the one who works. Okay, he works in a warehouse. It's indoor work. There's no mask required inside. That's a story onto itself. You'll find as I lay out this story, because I don't just want to, you know, I've done this long enough. I don't want to do a story and assume you all know about it. I'm going to lay out some of the details of it. It's not easy to do. There's going to be a lot of moments in this story where I say, you know, that's a topic for another day. So dad's going to work and mom and the two kids aren't. It's a boy and a girl, and the girl's 13. And mom gets sick, and she's ill for a week or so. And it's a small residence. Some of you know full well how hard it is to distance from children in the largest of residences and the smallest of residences. Kids need things. And when one parent's away, we know what that's like, those of us that have done it, but not in this scenario. April 13th, the mother gets her test results, and she's positive for COVID-19. April 14th, this is just 12 days ago, mom goes to the hospital and requires oxygen. It's that bad. Back at the apartment, the daughter, Emily, gets a cough. Now it's a stubborn cough, but it's not knocking her flat. It's not. She coughs for a full week, and a fever comes on with the cough. And now all of a sudden, breathing isn't coming easily for the girl, whose full name is Emily Victoria Viegas. So she's struggling to breathe. She's been coughing for a week and she can't inhale easily. And we all have known that moment. My son has a nut allergy. He's got a nut allergy and a fish allergy. And there've been a couple moments, not, not for years where there's moments of panic. And when you can't breathe, you panic. And when you panic, you can't breathe. And it just becomes this revolving door of problems. And there's no mom. I mentioned that she's in hospital on oxygen. Now let's go to last Thursday. This is the day of Premier Ford's um, apology, if you will. She gets up in the morning, the girl does, goes to the bathroom, and then goes back to bed. And at 9 a.m., her brother notices that she's motionless. And she's not asleep, he doesn't think. And he races to get her father. And the girl's eyes are open slightly, but she's unresponsive. No more waiting. Dad calls 911. They tell him, we're on our way as fast as we can. Give her CPR. Try and resuscitate her. When paramedics arrive, they try to resuscitate Emily, and they couldn't. They took her to the hospital, and they tried from there, and they still couldn't. And she passes away, and the hospital has to call the father to tell her. A phone call that's indescribably horrifying for any parent let alone in this scenario. Mom's already in the hospital. So this story has shaken people and grabbed people. It's all I heard people talking about uh, last night before something as trivial as the Academy Awards and who wins and things like that. So it's the perfect storm, though, and have a lot to say about it. I think you will also after 1230. There's tons of layers there, aren't there, about messaging and government policy and parental responsibility, and fear, and when those fears need to be recognized, and and when they need to be ignored. 
So the story's everywhere. And as you might imagine, if you share your story with um, with a journalist, with a newspaper, you, you probably are advocating for uh, knowledge and you're, you're hoping maybe that you can help others. But you can imagine, it's a headline culture we live in. I, I don't blame the industry that I work in or, or the industry of radio, which I love so much, or, or news or journalism in general. But there's, there's the headline, right? 13-year-old dies of COVID. COVID killed a 13-year-old girl. COVID eviscerates family. We have to have a place for nuance and balance. And let me explain what I mean by that before you jump down my throat. This tragedy is unspeakably awful. The details are harrowing. But a lot of parameters and check boxes had to be applied for it to go this way. And let's think about that. The dad has to work in a warehouse. The dad has to work unprotected in that warehouse with no masking or proper distancing. A story for another day? Yeah, I guess, just because of time constraints for this show. But it's something we should have been yelling and screaming about every damn day, every hour of every damn day. The dad doesn't have a guaranteed income if he is sick or needs to take time off work. There is that. Now, here's one thing, and this is not to defend the province and their policy or lack thereof. They're on the wrong side of history here in a once-a-century global pandemic. They're on the wrong side, recent and otherwise history. They just are. But here's what I'll say. You can't make the people take the days off or trust that you can't make the people trust the system that they're covered. I've gone to work sick when I felt it was important to be there, when I felt nobody could do the job like I could. And you probably have too. You probably want to Show that you can tough it out. You play hurt. Okay. In some ways, we've loved showing off to our colleagues, our bosses. That guy's so reliable, he never misses a day. And sometimes we should. The show must go on is a phrase that's about live theater. I think so anyway. So is the break a leg thing, but I never understood that. But you've seen athletes and musicians do it. You go to a gig, guys, singer's got a stratchy throat. He explains, he apologizes, but says, but I didn't want to cancel. I wanted to be here. I wanted to give your money's worth. But that's not what this is. So paid sick days may or may not have kept this dad home. But we'll never know. At least he would have had the option. Paid sick days can't make this man more or less afraid of taking his daughter to a hospital. Is this the day to argue about whether he should have taken his daughter to a hospital? No, it's not. Not today. Okay? Not in the midst of such a massive tragedy told in such an emotional, heart-wrenching way. And it's not fair to blame the media in this case. We don't all work under the same roof or have the same agenda. Some of us have no agenda. We just want to be honest and talk about our feelings and research and just be fair. Play it up the middle. But if the hospital capacity is exploding and field tents are being built, you report it and people react accordingly. That frightens people. If patients are being transferred via ambulances and helicopters a three-hour drive away so they can not just get the best care, but any care, you report it. And if Ontario's Minister of Health is lying about either hospital capacity, being ready for the third wave, or that patients are being transferred via ambulances and helicopters and still getting the best care, it's something you report. Okay, we're already arguing about the definition of triage. Doctors are saying it's happening right now. 
we're deciding, not necessarily who lives or dies, but who gets this amount of care and who gets that amount of care. Healthcare workers say that's absolutely happening in Ontario's hospitals. If we're canceling surgeries for people who already have cancer, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, that's not a form of triage? Of course it is. Tell the family of the person who's in stage three who can't get looked at or that surgery that's life-altering and potentially life-saving. Tell that person they're still getting the best of care because Christine Elliott said so. So I, I've seen media reports that I think push too much panic. I've seen media reports that aren't yelling loudly enough. Not everyone's going to get all this right all the time. The pandemic has laid that bare for all of us. We know about inequities and in data. I'm seeing politicians cowering in fear who run cities, large cities, hint, hint, who should have stood up for their constituents 10 days ago when the most inane, inexplicable, and punitive restrictions came in. You want to vote for a government that'll have your back in a crisis. They're going to tell you when they get something wrong, and they're going to mean it, and they're going to change it. We get playground closures and golf courses closed and police checks. Now, I want to note this before we end this segment, and I want to get to your calls at the bottom of the hour on this as well. Emily, Emily Victoria Villegas, who died at age 13, she was also found to have pneumonia. I think that's an important part of the story. It's not not a part of the story. She was positive for COVID-19, but she also had pneumonia. And you're not doing a service if you don't document that pneumonia killed over 8,500 Canadians in 2018, a little less in 2019. We're not sure why that is. I talked to a doctor a couple hours ago, uh, and I said, I want to mention this statistic. And he said, 2019 is a mystery. We have more people. The number should have gone up. But it wasn't quite the same flu season. Are most over 65 that die of pneumonia? Yes, they are. You got that right. But a small percentage, between 3 and 4%, are under 18. So that's not zero. It's between 350 and 400 people under the age of 18 die from pneumonia every year. But again, the second guessing is probably for another day, another week, another month. This story's too raw. This isn't politics or sports or who got robbed at the Academy Awards last night. A little girl's dead. A mother's in hospital. She's got one kid to come home to instead of two. That brother does not have a sister anymore. I'm sure you have thoughts. I'm sure you have theories. And later in the show, I hope to get to whether you see this as a tipping point. And let me explain what I mean by that. This story, and I'd add this, does this news story set us backwards? That's an honest question. Does this make you more hesitant about how we go forward? I hope it does not. Because I know the panic that 13-year-old dies of COVID. COVID kills 13-year-old. Ah, I, I think it's a tipping point for paid sick days and for recognizing the inequality of the pandemic. But no government can legislate equality, but we can legislate equal opportunity. You're sick? Don't worry about your paycheck. We've had months to do this, over a year to do this, and it is within the provincial jurisdiction to do this. So I'm emotional about this story. You probably are too, if you heard me just lay that out. But also on my mind is I don't want people scared by this. And we've had enough intentional scaring in the last two weeks. The province intentionally attempted to scare us two Fridays ago. I'll go to my grave with that sentiment. They wanted you to think that you might get stopped by the police if you were out and about. 
They wanted you to be more afraid if you were a person of color. Who this happens to more frequently. Duh. They wanted you to be aware that they'd encourage neighbors, you know, the nosy ones, the ones we don't like, to rat you out if you had another couple over in your backyard for a soda pop. Or if your kid went to the park with three other kids to hit grounders and play catch. But it's so, so, so safe to do those things. They want you to be scared on the outside. Are more people scared? I think they are. I'm not. My next door neighbor's not. No one who has ever taken a science course should be. No one who trusts the medical community should be about the outdoors. But I'm seeing it. Way more masks while walking. Way, way more than three weeks ago. It's not for me to tell you to take every precaution. I won't tell you not to wear a mask. You don't have to tell me to wear one. And we're talking outdoors. Is this story a tipping point? Not sure. They had a moment of silence at Queens Park today. I don't believe that they've done that before. Christine Elliott, the Minister of Health, addressed whether the province was doing enough for Peel Region and the community of Brampton. Here's what she said. Brampton has been given uh, significant assistance during the course of this pandemic. There is no suggestion that they're receiving any less than they're entitled to. In fact, out of the 114 hotspots that have identified across the province, there are 25 hotspots in the Brampton and Peel area, allowing access to more vaccines, that 25% that I was speaking about before, 25% of all vaccines off the top are divided amongst those public health regions. Brampton has 25 of them. Okay. Um, fine. But it doesn't change where we've been. All we can change is where we're going now. And I'm thinking about the family and the decisions that had to be made and that perfect storm I mentioned for the family of Emily Victoria Villegas, a 13-year-old. And really, really, we shouldn't, how would I put it, we shouldn't mourn her any more or any less than any of the other Ontario's residents that have died. A 13-year-old's life is as valuable to some as a 73-year-old's life is valuable to others. But this might tip things in a different direction, and maybe for her legacy, in a positive one to stimulate and create change.